0: So really, today's topic is kind of discourse, and how discourse is changing, and also God. But we'll get to that. That's the second part. There's two stories. The first one is there's been a study of some of the language that's being used in climate denial arguments. And it's a new kind of discourse. So it used to be climate change is not real. Climate change is not man-made, it's just a natural thing, nothing to worry about, just keep going on with the status quo, everything is fine. The obvious changes in the actual climate, climate disasters being more frequent and stuff, have made it very hard to actively dispute the reality, the facts of climate change. In my lifetime, I have seen the difference, the effects of climate change. It is hotter in the summer. The summer is lasting longer. It is the winter shorter, but it's actually much colder for a shorter period of time. It's actually funny because when they said, uh, before climate change, what did they actually, I forget what they called it. Global warming. When they were calling it global warming, every winter, some news anchor from a conservative channel would make a joke about, like, "Hmm, where's global warming now today? But actually, the colder winter snap is a result of more extreme weather changes. And so that always just, to me, demonstrated how dumb they were. The Center for Countering Digital Hate. (laughs) I originally wrote it down as the Center for Digital Hate, not a group you want to be involved with. The Center for Countering Digital Hate did an analysis of the way people are trying to dispute climate change now, actually since 2023. So instead of saying climate change isn't real, what they do is deny the benefits of clean energy. So they're saying like solar power doesn't give you as much energy as you want. Uh, Wind power is ineffective because the wind isn't blowing all the time. Uh, You know, just the benefits of clean energy don't outdo the current benefits of the system we have in place. They will attack policy. They'll attack governmental policy, saying that this policy doesn't address all the issues. And this is actually the bit that struck me why this became something that I was thinking about, because what they're saying a lot is this policy makes a small change. That small change doesn't fix the entire problem. Therefore, why make that change at all? Let's just keep everything going the way it is right now. It's the core argument of if you cannot fix 100% of the problem immediately, then there is no point in trying to fix the problem at all, because we can't fix the problem. So there is no incremental change or benefits that can be done. The other way is to malign scientists and advocates. And this has now become 70% of the denial content on YouTube since 2023. So they're no longer attacking climate change as a thing. They're, a cl- they're attacking the scientists and the people who talk about it in positive terms. They talk about it in terms of government policy and how it's not effective enough. They talk about it in terms of clean energy and how that's not effective enough. So there is no benefit to actually doing those things in the first place. Renewable. This is actually interesting because what it does, it gets around one of the policy guidelines of YouTube. And a lot of these big social websites, what they say is if you say something that is factually incorrect, they're going to take it down. So if you come out and you say climate change is not real, that YouTube is then obligated by their own terms and services to actually take down that video. Whereas if I say this policy is not good and it won't make enough change and it won't do all the things I like, that gets to say on YouTube. So this is not, this actually has a dual purpose. It keeps your videos up and it still kind of attacks the issue of climate change, but without actually attacking it directly. So you don't get, you know, there's no violation. So you can keep your voice active, maybe is what I want to say. Renewable energy generally is now basically cheaper than fossil fuel. Something interesting that I'd learned, uh, if we had stayed on the path of nuclear power, so we had a seven mile island kind of turned America off a lot of nuclear energy. And then we had Fukushima, which has made Japan a little... mm. But if all countries had maintained the progress in nuclear energy, we wouldn't be having a climate crisis right now. Because overall, nuclear energy is cleaner than the alternatives. And I think if we kept up with our engineering practices and safety standards, I actually think that would have been the thing that makes... Because Fukushima, that power plant that failed, was about 60 years old, and it hadn't been really upgraded in any real way. If they had continued to upgrade, I mean, this is I mean you got to put money into it, but if they'd put modern engineering practices into place, I think it would have survived without a meltdown, without any problems at all. I have a lot of faith in engineering, something I don't know anything. It seems like magic to me, the way engineers can make things work, and that's something I have a lot of faith in, that engineers can fix problems if you let them. Now, often letting them fix problems is expensive. But if it means no nuclear meltdowns in the future and we no longer have to even think about the climate crisis, that seems like a pretty good deal to me. Of course, I'm not a policymaker. I don't have any money. So they had now, then they did a a survey in America of 1,000 teenagers and 30% of teens, because they get a lot of their information from TikTok and YouTube now say that climate policy does more harm than good. So the one that's famous right now is the Green New Deal, because it has kind of a catchy name, and people can say it very quickly. And what they're saying is the Green New Deal, if we do that, it will, it will actually damage the world in the future more than not doing it. Yeah, I'm not attacking that part directly. <laughs> Jay just said the problem is that we'd take money away from oil companies. And that's a big no, no. All right. I'm not even talking about oil companies directly. I'm actually talking about the way people are attacking the arguments. So it's the discourse is what I'm actually trying to get into. Uh, there was a Senate hearing. I was watching a Senate hearing. <laughs> this is how, you know, I'm a party dude. Cause I just said I was watching a Senate hearing. Um, I was actually, I was watching bits of it. I don't watch whole Senate hearings. I'm not that bad. Uh, You can tell I'm getting up in years when Senate hearings are vaguely interesting to me. And it was about, they had some people who were in renewable energy and and this one woman was very anti-plastic. She said, we should basically stop using plastic. And it was the way they spoke back and forth It was almost disingenuous on both sides. This is something I found very interesting. I don't actually understand the point of Senate hearings anymore because what they do is they come out and they make a statement and they badger the person and they shout at them and they don't ever actually ask a question and wait for an answer. This is all just a a show. And the show is, hey, listen to me. I'm making this person look bad. I'm not actually dealing with the issue. This was the start of the bit I was very interested in. Do you want to end all plastic manufacturing? So that's it. The first question, do you want to end all plastic manufacturing? And the answer is going to be yes, but it, he's going to say, like I, I already, without even seeing the rest of it, I actually know what's going to happen. She's going to say, yes, I do want to end all plastic manufacturing. He's going to go, well, that's impossible. We can't do that. And she's going to say, you know, we could try or we could start. Or we could use less plastic, and he's going to go, everything's plastic, we can't. Like, I mean, if we look at my desk right now, keyboard is plastic, microphone is plastic, webcam is plastic, the monitor is plastic, the computer has plastic in it. Yes, plastic is in everything. That doesn't mean we can't transition away from it in some way. The Senate hearing, what he's saying is basically, if you do not give me a 100 complete, full solution immediately then there is no point in even furthering this conversation. He, and again, I don't even need to watch the rest of it. I've seen parts of this clip, but I don't need to watch it to know what they're going to say because I've now watched enough Senate hearings to know what they're doing. He's, they're holding people to a standard where you have to come up with a perfect, complete solution or you have no solution at all. So the idea of let's use less plastic bottles isn't enough enough if let's use less plastic overall, let's use lighter plastic, let's inject air into the plastic we use so that the plastic is lighter and we use less plastic overall. That's not enough because it doesn't erase plastic completely. So we'll listen to a bit of this. And then again, I, have already said, I know I've seen bits of it. So I actually kind of already know, but I knew as soon as he opened his mouth and said that first sentence I knew where this was going because this is the quality of discourse we get in congressional hearings and Senate hearings. Uh, and it's part of what they're attacking on the Internet. They're using this kind of argument. I don't know if it's an argumented fallacy that has a name. It probably doesn't. I just don't know it. But essentially it's saying if you do not, if you can't do anything in stages or transitional, you have to do everything in a complete 100 percent or zero. There's no like one, two, three, four percent improvement. Do you want to end all plastic manufacturing? I said the plastics industry must be stopped. So does that mean end plastic manufacturing? I mean, in my dream world, sure. So there you go. He's saying he wants you to make a definitive statement, end plastic manufacturing. she said, yeah, in my dream world, she's more reasonable. She understands that we're not going to get rid of plastic tomorrow. We're not just going to shut down every plastic company in in the world. And then he's going to go on the offensive and say, I know in this case he actually says your glasses are made of plastic and that bottle's made of plastic. And he starts explaining like how much plastic is in the world. She knows. I mean, she knows how much plastic is in the world. But I think that, so, um,
1: oh, so oh god.
0: So I, I, and I don't mean to be condescending here. I just point out what's... I don't mean to be condescending here, but he's absolutely being condescending because he's talking to her like she's a child. Because again, he's going to hold her to a standard he would never hold himself to. Whenever he is tasked with coming up with a solution, he probably doesn't come up with a 100% complete solution. I mean, if you want to start talking about politics, there are standards that need to be put into place. Like I actually think a retirement age, I've I've said this a bunch of times now. I don't know if I'm just like beating a drum. Both Trump and Biden are in their late seventies and going to be in their early eighties. Why are these men even up for running the country? If the government decides that the retirement age is 65, then politicians should have to be have to retire by 65. If politicians then decide to move up the retirement age, then it should be across the board and they can stay on. But you have to be I think it's 30 or 35 to become president. That's the minimum, there should be a maximum. Like that just seems self-evident. If you cannot complete your tasks, you should be fired. The problem I think in American politics politics probably all over the place is that a lot of places you cannot remove politicians who aren't doing their job. So if you do not come to an agreement within a set deadline, you all lose your job. And I bet deadlines get met really quickly in every branch of government everywhere. Because people don't want to lose their jobs. This is their power, and they want to hold on to that power. So uh, I think most recently in America, they've been talking about government shutdown again. This is something that's come up in the past, and they don't want to come to agreement because, you know, the conservatives want a government shutdown to make the uh, liberals look bad. But I would actually say if you guys don't come to agreement, you're all fired, and then bring in a whole new group. And they make it seem like that's impossible. It's not. Like you could always have someone second, third in row and they just like move up and then, okay, you guys are out and you don't get reelected. You don't get to run for reelection if you've lost your position in power in government. That would change the dynamics of what government is. I bet a lot of people wouldn't want it anymore because they'd be held to a standard that they wouldn't be used to because they'd actually have to get things done within a certain time frame. But I, sorry, back to this. (laughs) That was all just a tangent about how to make government work. I think I watched some rich guy say it. There are smart rich guys. There was this rich guy and he said, like, I could fix the budget in a month. And he's like, basically just fire everyone if they don't fix the budget. And I was like, that would work. They would come to a plan to improve things, and it wouldn't be 100%. It would be transitional, and it would be step-by-step in stages, and we're going to improve this, and we're going to fix this, and then that would be it. And again, this is what this man in this hearing is demanding of this woman. Give me a a 100% complete solution to replace all plastic in the world right now, or you have no argument that you can make here in front of me at all. And if she had called him out on that, I think it would be interesting. I don't see a lot of these congressional hearings where the person being spoken to actually makes a claim as to what's being done to them. I watched the TikTok hearings. I was very interested in that. He was clearly smarter than everyone in that room when it came to computers and, and phones and apps and all this other stuff. And he would say stuff and they just didn't understand. I mean, that was just the first actual breaking communication is he would say things that they clearly just didn't understand what he was saying in this case he's holding this i assume just activist to a standard he wouldn't hold anyone else in the world to in a realistic way glasses um so i do know around your face They're, they're made of plastic maybe and then so when she starts to speak he interrupts her So she's not going to actually get to answer. That's another sort of secondary issue. But that really bugs me. Once you ask, as a senator, once you ask a question, you should be forced to listen to the answer, and even if you don't like it. And what they do is they ask a question. When the person starts to speak, they interrupt them again. They reiterate their question, sometimes not very rude. But this is a power play that people do. It's a psychological tactic, because if every time I go to speak, you interrupt me and I stop, then you're in this weird situation where they're interrupting you and it puts you sort of off balance. This is one of these like old, the really shitty busy uh, business psychology books. And it's, it's a tactic you can do to people on purpose. You ask them a question when they go to answer, you reiterate or you interrupt them and then you finish speaking. And then when they go to speak again, you interrupt and you do it like five, six times. It's a power move and it's done on purpose and the counter to that is to just stop and then have a huge silence and then go, do you want me to answer? And they have to either say yes or no. And then when they say yes, you go, because they're they always, of course I want you to answer. I want you to answer honestly and that kind of stuff. Then you say, are you going to interrupt me? And the instant there and there, there's now like an unwritten agreement that if you interrupt me, you're actually breaking your own rule that you've just established. Uh, I didn't keep track of it the first time. I should have actually how many times he interrupts her while she's speaking. They're made out of. They are. And I'm just pointing out some things here because I just want to be realistic when we're having conversations because when statements are made like this... So there you go. She's gone to speak again. This is at least the second, if not third interruption. And after he's asked his question of, what are you going to replace plastic with? And, he's, and when she went to speak, he's like, what are your glasses made of? And he's going to speak, and he's going to do it. So we're not having a conversation. He's giving a speech, and he's interrupting you so that you can't answer in any real way. Say, "Well, what? Okay, that's easy to say, but what's the solution? So he's, <laughs> there you go. He's saying, what's the solution? He's not letting her speak, though, so she's not off, be able to offer up any solution. And again, the solution can't be 100% right away. So it's this disingenuous attitude to something. Apparently, this is really happening on YouTube, 70% of the climate denial is actually going through this form of secondary attacks that current things you're doing aren't going to work, so why even bother do them? Uh, if the government asks you for a solution, if you don't come up with a 100% solution, then there's no reason doing it at all. It's one of those things that now that I've become aware of it and I hear it, uh, these dialogues become more interesting to listen to. This is a different different story. It's a different kind of discourse we're talking also, about. Also, what you are looking for was nirvana perfect solutions. Ah, fallacy. thank you. Yes, I knew there must be this is not like a new way to attack arguments. So the nirvana perfect solution fallacy is, I guess, what I actually like, I actually could have come to that conclusion by myself, because that is what they're always asking. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to to want that. Uh and then if you speak in realistic terms like yeah, let's let's focus on water bottles first. Let's just get rid of water like plastic bottles and replace them with something else or again in Japan what they they've been doing for a lot of bottles is making them 50% less plastic. Well, that's 50% less plastic. Let's do that. Let's do try to do 50% less plastic in everything, make the plastic thinner or or again, I think my glasses are made of plastic but They're the lightest frames ever made. And I think the idea is that the plastic is actually injected with air. So there's less plastic overall, less weight, which is they're selling the weight, but they're actually probably way cheaper to produce. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, thank you. The perfect solution fallacy is an informal fallacy that occurs when an argument assumes that a perfect solution exists or that a solution should be rejected because some part of the problem would still exist after it were implemented. Thank you for that. Thank you for the the fallacy thing because... I knew there was one. I just didn't know what it was called. That's the story of my life. I know stuff, but I don't know what it's called. Like people. <laughs> I know you. I don't know your name. There was a Colorado pastor called Eli. Oh, man, Peter. Regal Lando. Whatever. We just call him Eli. My handwriting's so poor in this. I got this. I actually. stuff Do I have to start typing up notes? I did notice there was a thing. Uh, Elgato has made a teleprompter for for web stuff, and so it, it goes around your webcam and it just prompts up. And then you then I would just sit here and like like a newscaster and just read. And it would look like I was looking at the camera the whole time. I'm always looking slightly down because I'm actually reading my notes. I've I've learned to hold my notes up under the camera so they don't like wave around in front that's, that's the, the techniques is how they're coming. There's a Colorado pastor named Eli and he launched a cryptocurrency called INDX coin, Index coin. Already not a great name. I mean, not inspiring. If this is supposed to be like funded by God because he's a pastor, it's already suspicious. Pastor and cryptocurrency are not two things I put together to be successful. But there was nothing behind it. It was basically worthless. Cuz usually you launch a coin with a certain amount of Uh, fiat currency behind it or something behind it. Some way you could exchange it, something like that to make it have value. So you could actually say the same thing about Bitcoin. Bitcoin has no actual value. The value is injected by our perception of it and all that other stuff. That's also how money works. But I could trade out cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, let's say, for cash. Whereas this didn't have anything to support it. People maybe had to buy it, but there was no foundation. The first, let's say, thousand coins that were created had no foundation. So buying them actually meant buying the source, not the actual value of the coins. You could only... This was, again, the second part that's very suspicious. You could only buy index coin through the crypto exchange that Eli created. So not only... Was it a coin that had no value? It couldn't be traded in any real way with any other exchange to either create or grow in value because you couldn't trade it. So you could, and he called it the kingdom wealth exchange. There's American pastors in these like mega churches and stuff. And they're always like, it's almost a joke to me because I live so far outside of that culture but it's just, I see it and I'm like, it's not real. It's not, you're not real. If you said, hey, I have the Kingdom Wealth Exchange with a coin made by a pastor and you can only trade it on the Kingdom Wealth Exchange and you can't trade it anywhere else, I'd be like, look, I've been scammed before, but this seems like a real scam. He shut the exchange down last year and in his defense, he said it was God's idea. Maybe... He misinterpreted what God said, which would imply that God is not a very good communicator. Because, okay, I was thinking about the times God, in the stories I know, because very shallow knowledge of, of religion, let's be honest. The times God has communicated with people. So the most famous one to me is Noah. He took this guy, he's like, hey, no, buddy, I want you to build a boat. And Noah's like, dude, I don't know how to build a boat. He's like, I'm God. You'll build a boat, it'll be fine. I want you, when you build the boat, there's animals going to come. They're all going to get on, on board. It's going to have to be super big. He's like, dude, I, I can't do that. And he's like, dude, you can do it. And then uh, Noah built a boat and the boat was big enough to house all the animals. And then the flood happened and all those animals repopulated the earth. I mean, it worked out. He, he, I don't even know if Noah was a carpenter, if he was a boat builder, if he knew anything about it. But through God, God communicated enough to him to build this boat. Apparently, God's communication skills have dropped since then. Or maybe just cryptocurrency is too complicated for God to really get his head around. That's actually sort of maybe the other issue. I think the interesting bit here is that God sends you a message and you didn't understand or interpret the message properly, throws up a lot of questions about God that maybe you don't want answered. In October of 2021, God brought this crypto idea to me. And he said, take this to my people for a wealth transfer. God wants a wealth transfer. Now, again, God being God, I never thought God would be that into money. I never thought that money would be kind of the focus of God. But there is like all these wealth churches now, and where they're like, if you give us money, you'll get blessings in return. That's not a new thing. That's actually been around. You could buy forgiveness at some point it had a name again. I don't know. Um, I need my, one of my friends who actually knows religion on here to actually like shout in the back. I, that'd actually be really cool. I sit here and I make vaguely incorrect statements because I don't really know what I'm talking about. And then I have someone, an expert in the back who just shouts the correct answer over my shoulder would actually be a really good show. I'd really enjoy that. I'd have to end up with like a panel of experts of different things. So everything I talk about, they just like different people are shouting at me from the back. Anyways, Uh, So God wanted this for a wealth transfer. I want you to build this. Now the thing is, that's actually pretty clear. God said, build a cryptocurrency, build an exchange, and create a wealth transfer. Indulgences. That's not... Jade, man, you're awesome. (laughs) Paying for forgiveness is indulgences, yes. I will never remember the actual terms. Thank you. The thing that is, OK, so if you look at this statement, God said to me, create a cryptocurrency, take this to the people, create a wealth transfer. That's actually really clear. So God's communication on this, there's not a lot lacking in it. He successfully built an exchange. He successfully built a cryptocurrency. These aren't actually very hard things to do anyways. Uh, and then he did it and then it collapsed. And so it made me think that maybe God wanted you to go to prison. This was God's roundabout way of putting you in prison because you're a bad person or to punish you in this life or something like that. There's always this secondary part when this stuff falls apart. When these people said that God told me to do this, they're not taking into account. Maybe God wants you to fail in this to learn a lesson. Maybe God wants you to go to jail. Maybe there's a third one I'm not going to say until the very end. So Eli said to God, I do want the explanation. So the pastor, I'm going to assume is praying. And that's when God's voice comes to him. And he says to God in his prayers, is it a voice? Is it a feeling? I would like to know. Because when, if I say, if I'm laying in bed, let's say, if I'm laying in bed and I hear, do I hear a voice that says, hey, make chunk coin, make beef bucks, and then create the chunk exchange is that God or is that just me having an idea? I do like, I, I want to know a, a, a more perception oriented version of what happens when they hear the voice of God, because these pastors and stuff do hear the voice of God. So they claim, what is that like? Just give me an explanation of that. Cause then I'll know if God's talking to me. Cause I actually, a lot of times I'm like, did I have that really messed up idea? <laughs> because I have had the idea of killing my own son. It's pretty dark. Um, but I didn't cause I didn't believe the voices. So I said, Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't know how to do this. God is giving you hard times to forge you for him. Just like steel in the fire. If times never got hard, if things never get hot, how can you get stronger? Oh, God is giving you hard times to forge you for him. <laughs> Eli said, God is in the business of doing new things and breaking seals. Is he? I mean, that's actually another thing. He's using business terms to describe God's actions now. So anyways, he got to $3.2 million dumped into this exchange. He claimed a malfunction in the exchange closed the whole thing. So it wasn't that uh, he did something wrong. It's not that he just like drained it all of the money and kept all the money himself. There was a malfunction and that closed it. Uh, He did actually admit and I think I'm gonna be able to find the video. I have a couple of videos saved, so I'll cut those in here. Where he said, Yep, I took a bunch of the money. I took one point, I, oh, wait, wait, wait. $1.3 million was used for personal benefit. That's what the IRS says. The charges are that Caitlin and I pocketed $1.3 million. And I just want to come out and say that those uh, charges are true. We took God at his word and sold a cryptocurrency with no exit. Well, that cryptocurrency turned out to be a scam. And so the Lord says, give that to him, but also give them a 10 I'm like, well, where's this liquidity going to come from? And the Lord says, trust me. A $500,000 went to the IRS. He renovated his house because God said, take the wealth exchange and put it into your house, put it into your assets, because that's important. Uh, God said, you know, redo the bedroom, buddy. It's where the action happens, where you make more babies to glorify me. Uh, he bought a Range Rover. So God said, buy one of the worst rated cars on the road. Cause God doesn't care about safety. Range Rover has a good reputation. That's from decades back. The current Range Rovers that come out now, absolute pieces of garbage. You're buying them for the status symbol. Sure. Sure. God in this situation seems to be all about status symbols, not about actually taking care of people. Because if you wanted to take care of someone and you wanted to spend an expensive car, you get a Mercedes. Like it's a, it's a much higher safety rating on a Mercedes than a Range Rover. Just keep that in mind. God might be trying to kill this guy. God said, you know, take some of the money and buy handbags and jewelry because what glorifies your wife glorifies me. Huh? I might be getting good at this. If I keep this going... I might start my own little cult because we're calling it beef nation. We've decided that we're going to go a fan of the chunk of beef chest in any format is a chunk. And so I got to, I didn't do it. I got to start going. What up beef nation. Hello. All you little chunks out there. Like, and subscribe (laughs) a set of phrases I've never used before, but I mean, if I can put them into practice, if I can make that sound natural, I think this is the cusp of my fame. When I say, what up, Beef Nation? Some money was put into boat rentals. I'm leaving. Whoa. I hit the keyboard and the, the transition went off. <laughs> that would be awesome if I said, what up, Beef Nation, and then just no one ever downloaded again. Because I, I measure this off podcast downloads. I don't look at... I YouTube... I get like maybe six, 10 views. I know it's not really, that's not really why I start doing this. Uh, There's a couple other like video websites. I get like 20, 30 views or whatever. This is a audio podcast first. Um, (laughs) If the week after I said, what up beef nation, no one ever downloaded again. All the message would have been very clear. God misinformed me of what I was supposed to do. (laughs) So, Uh, Some of the money went to boat rentals. Smart enough not to buy a boat. God was saying boats are bad investments. They're money sinks. Don't buy a boat, rent a boat. At least in this one case, God was right. God was saying, you don't want to buy a boat. You just want to rent a boat. It is a way better deal. Uh, And then the final one, which I loved the most for some reason, God said, you know what you need? You need a snowmobile adventure." (laughs) I would love, with Noah, again, the only really direct form of communication I can remember from the Bible in any real way. Noah, he's like, build a boat. This is going to be like incredibly difficult for you because we're talking about a massive boat, you know, 10 stories high, I don't know, cubits or whatever it was. Uh, It's going to take so much of your life and energy, your family, and everyone's going to think you're crazy. You got to do this. And then with this guy, with Eli, he's like, Eli, man, snowmobile adventure. That's what you need. That's, that's going to glorify me. That's going to save the earth if you have a snowmobile adventure and then bring that back to your congregation. So I came to three conclusions, or three possibilities. God is giving you bad advice. But being God, he's giving you bad advice on purpose so that your life gets fucked up. The second one, which I would actually kind of hope to be the real one, is God is just fucking with you because God doesn't like Eli. Eli what a what a way to figure that out is that oh shit God's just fucking with me because he doesn't like me very much or and the last one I wanted to save is the big finale maybe you're not actually hearing God